Believe in yourself. Bet on yourself. I've known that for years. But it helped that Master P told me so. First things first. This is about truth-telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what No Mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah! This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of No Mercy with yours truly, the one and only Stephen A. Smith, coming at you as I love to do it usually every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at minimum, by the way, because I always have a lot to say. I always got a lot of stuff on my mind. And I'm going to remind you today, before I get into my subject, the reason why I wanted to do this podcast. Yes, I have an extensive sports background in the world of sports journalism. I started out my career, before I ever graduated, I was doing internships at the Winston-Salem Journal, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, uh, the Greensboro News and Record, the Winston-Salem Journal again. Before I accepted a job at the Greensboro News and Record as an editorial assistant at the High Point Bureau of Greensboro News and Record newspaper. I was making 15000 a little over 15000 I think it was like 15300 to be exact a year. Um, when you take into account Uncle Sam coming for your taxes and uh, apartment rent that I had to pay, I had enough money for gas. I didn't have enough money to even drive home to New York to see my family. And my meals, at the very least, five of the seven days in a week, was tuna fish with bread or crackers and Kool-Aid. Y'all may not know about Kool-Aid in this day and age, but I assure you, back in the day, everybody knew about Kool-Aid. Cherry, grape, orange, just poured it in to a pitcher of cold water and a pound of sugar. And you had yourself some Kool-Aid. And as things began to progress, and I ultimately started my career off professionally as a high school sports reporter for the New York Daily News. And then ultimately the Philadelphia Inquirer. And then working for CNNSI on television as an NBA analyst before going to Fox Sportsnet. Before going from there to the best damn sports show period as a contributor. And then ultimately landing at ESPN. And having a career that spans now close to 30 years. I have something incredibly, incredibly embarrassing to tell all of y'all. <clears throat> for the first 10 years, for the first 20 years, I'm sorry, of my career, close to 20 years. I was completely ignorant to my worth. I never knew. I never paid attention to it. 
I was raised by a West Indian mother and father. And my mother consistently preached about the importance of working hard. Put your head down, grind, work hard, don't take shortcuts, and you too shall be rewarded. Her definition of a reward was put in your years of service, retire, and get a pension. That's how I was taught to think. And when it came to defining what my worth was, my definition of defining what my work was, what my worth was, I'm sorry, was to put in the work and to have a boss that appreciate the effort you put forth. So when you went and asked for something, you had a good chance of getting it because you relied on the decency of other people to recognize what your true value was monetarily to their respective companies, et cetera, et cetera. And as a result, they would exercise fairness and give you what you richly deserved. I was a rebel as a kid growing up. I wasn't scared to speak my mind. I wasn't scared to speak my truth. I wasn't scared to articulate the facts as I knew them to be and to challenge other people to put their facts up against mine. If it came across as a bit truculent or belligerent or rambunctious or whatever the case may be, I meant no harm. I meant no offense, but I wasn't backing down either. And you know what all of that did, ladies and gentlemen? It preoccupied me from knowing my worth. You see, it gets very, very interesting when you take into account what's transpiring in the world today. And the reason why this relevant is because I'm going to have on somebody a little bit later on in this show who by all accounts is a self-made man. He's a self-made man. He's a self-made success story. He's a self-made multimillionaire. Never has to worry about paying bills in all likelihood for the rest of his life because of the money he's been able to accumulate over the years. And he did it and achieved that lofty goal, which almost every human being on this planet Earth has, but 99.9% of us never achieve. He was one of the few who pulled it off. And I'm here to tell you, he'll be the first to tell you, he did it because he believed in himself and had an idea of what his own worth was. He didn't leave it to somebody else to define it for him. He made sure to define it for himself. You see, what he highlighted, because I've interviewed him on many, many occasions, and I was looking forward to interviewing him for this podcast because I wanted the world to hear the story, hear the story that he's told me on so many occasions about himself. What he did was he bet on himself. But before you bet on yourself, you got to believe in yourself. And if you believe in yourself, the only way it makes sense is if you have an idea of what your worth is and you're listening to somebody else define it for you and you're saying, yo, their definition of my worth doesn't vibe with my definition of my worth. See, there comes a time in life when the ultimate challenge comes your way. When you got to find out what your worth truly is. You got to refuse to settle for anything 
than the best of what you believe life has to offer you based on your skills, your your gifts, your God-given abilities. You got to trust that you deserve it. The moment you know your worth, you'll know how to live. I'm 55 years old. I can honestly tell you, I never thought about it that way until I was in my 40s. I really, really didn't. I sit here now doing this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, right now, a podcast that I own, that I operate, words like RSS feed and masters and all of this other stuff. I never knew what the hell that was. I never paid any attention to it. Upfront money, ad revenue, share on the back end and stuff like that. I never thought about stuff like that. I went to work. I thought about punching the clock. I thought about a salary. I thought I was living a good life because guess what? To me, by getting into sports journalism and being able to travel and being able to be at games and being able to marvel at these marvelous athletes I was covering and enjoying the whole festive atmosphere that millions upon millions only get to do to enjoy on television, I thought I was living a life. Because I didn't have to punch a clock. And then my check arrived. And it wasn't that it was a bad one because it wasn't bad. It's that it was something out there. That I knew I was missing out on. You know, I heard the Pastor T.D. Jakes. The famous Pastor T.D. Jakes once tell this story to Oprah. And I'm paraphrasing here, so don't quote me accurately, but you'll get the message. He was talking about how a tiger is in a cage. It could be a tiger. It could be a lion. It could be a panther. It could be anything. It could be a cheetah. It could be anything like that. And they've been held in captivity for so long that it's become just a part of their normal existence. It's nothing new. It's nothing that they never knew before. So if that's the case, why are they caged? They're caged because instinctually, the minute you leave that, you lift that cage from them, they're going to walk beyond those borders. Why? Because they know something is out there. Instinctually. Don't you find yourself feeling that way every single day? I got a producer just turned 26 years old, living a good life. Ladies and gentlemen, he's going to be a star. Because he's hungry. I mean, I know it's hard to believe working for Stephen A. I mean, how can it get any better than that? I understand what you're thinking right now. How can it get any better than working for Stephen A? I mean, come on. This is his starting point. It ain't his finish line. I've got writers and producers that do phenomenal jobs for me. And Michael and Sherry, I love them. I love them working for me. Let me tell you something. This ain't the finish line for them. It's just the beginning. I got an executive producer, my man Rashawn. I mean, this dude has accomplished a lot of things. He's won awards. He's made gobs and gobs of money. His greedy ass wants more. He ain't settling. He ain't stopping. I would know. Because I challenge anybody. I'll put my work ethic up against anybody's. At least I thought until his ass came in my life. 
Now I'm like, could you leave me alone? Can, can, can I get a break? Can I get a lunch break? Can I relax? I mean, can I take a nap? Can, can I get a break, please? It doesn't stop. He keeps going. Because you know something? When you know something else is out there, that itch, that instinct, that God-given oomph that nudges you in a certain in a certain direction is talking to you all the damn time, telling you there's more out there. There's more out there. Of course, there'll be those that doubt you. Because we live in a world where containment is just a part of our vernacular. Controlled. We want what we want. And in order for us to get it, we've got to control the people that are beside us or under us, the subordinates, et cetera, et cetera. You hold it. You're going to always run into people that want to hold you back. That want to prevent you from springboarding to another level. Who can't understand what you're doing because they don't want to understand. They'll try to discourage you. They're called haters, you know. There's a lot of hater raid going on out here. A lot of people are drinking that. You can't possibly do what you've envisioned for yourself. That's what they're going to tell you. They're going to try to stop you. That's because the vision itself wasn't given to them. It was given to you. You can't hate them for that. You just have to recognize it and know how to move beyond that, whether it's circumvent them or going right through them. You got to do what you got to do. That's what it takes to be successful. That's what it takes to elevate to the next level. That's what it takes to be all you can be. And you know why? Because that feeling you get is not going to be defined by dollars and cents alone. It's going to be buffered by the reality that you knew you bet on yourself and that's how you pulled it off. You took the chance on you. I knew a guy and have known a guy for years. That's what happened to him. He once had $500 in his pocket and was offered a million dollars and turned it down. He was called crazy by his own damn family and friends. They said, what the hell are you doing? What are you possibly thinking about? It makes no damn sense what you're doing. And he said, I can't sell myself short. And since that time, he's made over $200 million. He's had platinum albums. He's failed at one venture after another. He'll tell you that, but he kept on going. His belief in himself has galvanized the community, made stars out of others, and has him not just appreciated, but revered in his community and beyond. His name is Rap Mogul Master P. If you never heard of him before, you must have been living under a rock. If you haven't paid attention to his story, you need to. And if you think I'm lying, just stay tuned. He's up next with George Truly, right here on No Mercy, in a minute. 
of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Ladies and gentlemen, he is a rapper, an actor, a successful business owner, by the way, and obviously a philanthropist who hails from New Orleans, Louisiana. Please welcome the one and only Master P, Mr. Percy Miller, to the house. Welcome to No Mercy with Stephen A. What's going on, big time? How are you? What's going on, Stephen A.? Man, it's always good to talk to you. First things first, how are things going for you? Because you always got something percolating. I mean, damn, yes. there's just yes. no limit to what you're doing. I want to know what you got going on right now in your world. Right now, I mean, the Snoop Loops is just being able to create a family brand and pass it down from generation to generation. Me and Snoop got together and created Broder's Foods, uh, yeah. which we able to feed so many kids in the community, give back to the community. They've been doing this over 100 years. When you look at Kellogg's, that's a family name. Look at Gucci, that's a family name. Now, Broder's Food, it's a family name to where we could give back to the community. And, I, and my thing is adding diversity into these uh, shelves, uh, mm. grocery store shelves. And it, it's important, man, to be honest, because we, we spend trillions of dollars, but we don't own anything or even control anything. When you look at Fortune 500 companies, we make a tenth of 1% of CEOs. When you look at African-Americans, I mean, even uh, ownerships in the NBA, when you look at the teams and the NFL, it's the same thing. So we want to change that narrative with educating and building future leaders to, to be able to uh, put money back into our communities and our cultures. Now, you know how folks are going to be. I mean, you know, listen, I applaud what you're doing, no doubt about it. You and I have known each other for a long time. We've talked on many, many occasions. I'm not questioning anything. But you know, a lot of people out there are going to look at it and they're going to say, are you sure that we're only making a tenth? Are you sure the number is that low? Are you sure that these companies that are profiting off of, you know, the black communities throughout this country, are you sure that they're making that much money at our expense? What do you say to that about how you know what those numbers are and how you know what we're missing out on? Do your research. I mean, how many African-American-owned NBA teams? How many African-American-owned uh, NFL teams? Major League Baseball. Just look at that. Uh, Fortune 500 companies. I mean, how many African-American CEOs? Maybe one or two. So those mm -hmm. numbers are real. And we have to change that narrative by creating our own brands, creating our own business. But they do have companies that want to do business with us. Me and Snoop was talking to a company called Post. They want to make sure that the African-American uh, community has product on shelves, on bus. When you look at Aunt your mom and Uncle Ben, Stephen A., uh, we thought those products was owned by us. My grandparents made me go to the store and purchase those products, but it wasn't owned by us. And so mm -hmm. we, 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 we said there's enough room for everybody, but we do need to add some diversity. When you, talk, when you come to Walmart, Target, Kroger's, Elberson, like, and, and people are joining the movement. I think me and Snoop is opening the doors to where, you know, we come from hip hop, like you said earlier. But why come we can't diversify our portfolio and be kings of the breakfast food? So nobody's done that. Uh, P Puffy did it with the alcohol. Dr. Mm -hmm. Dre did it with the Chirac. beats. Uh, yep. When you look at Jay-Z did it with, with Rockaware, with, with, yep. with the clothing. Uh, 50 Cent did it with vitamin water. Me and Snoop is just in a whole nother lane that people not expecting us to be able to be in breakfast foods, to putting product on the stores, in, 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 you know, on these shelves, in these stores. 
I mean, it's it's what we're talking about building generational wealth, but we have to educate our people at the same time so they could see what, where, where are we going. I heard LeBron talk about uh, putting a team in Las Vegas. That could actually happen. You have to plant them seeds. You have to start it. You have to dedicate your time. Uh, we're dedicating resources to, to what we believe in. And it's not about money. I want people to know this is about creating ideas. And that's what we've been doing. We've been eating cereal all our life. Mm-hmm. But we never own none of the brands. So yeah. this is this is a change in the guard. This is this is a game changer. But this is like I mean, we had an African American president. So why not we, we can't build our own cereal, uh, our own pancakes, syrup, uh breakfast food. How I, I come? And and it's time. I feel like it's time. You you know, you brought up LeBron James as an aside, talking about he's talking about potentially owning a team. I'm actually a strong supporter of that. I yes. think he's somebody that has earned the right. I think that just the way the NBA went out of its way to facilitate Michael Jordan ultimately becoming an owner of an NBA yes. franchise. And he's only black majority owner of an so NBA don't, franchise. Not, don't there those is, numbers, what we just talked about, a tenth of one yeah, percent, isn't it yeah. reality? It's when you even look at the NBA, just, but look, LeBron James is planting seeds to do something about that. He know he can't play basketball forever. That's right. why my thing is product outweighs talent. At the end of the day, what makes Michael Jordan uh, so successful? Jordan still Brand, today, Jordan Brand, the Jordan Brand. That's and that's, that's right. what I'm saying. He know he can't play basketball the way you used to, but he's built something that'll be around to pass down from generation to generation. And and, and that's that's the page I'm on. I was I was ultimately leaning on LeBron from this perspective, Master P. I wanted to know: Have you uh, thought about? Have you discussed whether it's with, with with Snoop or anybody else collaborating with a player the magnitude of a LeBron or somebody else to ultimately own an NBA franchise or to own a sports franchise? Because he already he's already invested in soccer. He's already got some 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 ownership stake in, in the Boston Red Sox, if I remember correctly. I mean, he ain't just limiting himself to the world of basketball. Have you thought about that at all? Have you have yeah, you, you know, looked uh, into that? One one of my good friends is Mr. Raymond Brothers, and uh, we we both yeah. from New Orleans. And we saying, you know what? Let's connect with other brothers that have that vision. So imagine me, Snoop, LeBron, we all come together and do something of that magnitude to where our culture and our people see that we are growing as people, that we understand financial literacy, we understand how to put these type of deals together. But I'm definitely proud of LeBron and what and what he's doing uh, because he's growing not just as a basketball player. And I got I got to go on that show with LeBron and sit down and talk to him before it's the over shot. because, yes. Okay. Uh, I'm, I, I want to go on there and sit down with him because I think that all these other major companies are connected. If you look at it right now in the grocery store thing, because that's what I'm in, look at Albertson and Kroger. They, they are coming together. They are connecting. We have to do that as a culture because I feel like a lot of stuff stop us is self-hate. We don't want to celebrate each other. I'm, I'm about celebrating the LeBrons, the Michael Jordans, the Kobe Bryans, all the people that came and did what they need to do, that people that look like us. Uh, they are going to inspire the, the next kids and the next generation. Because my whole thing is, let's send these kids to college and not to prison. And the only way we could do that, we have to show that growth and show the success that people that came, you know, before them. And so that's what I tell my kids all the time. Look at the success of these guys. They 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 doing stuff beyond basketball. And I think that's what we got to, we, we have to salute LeBron for what he's done, putting putting together Mav and his team, I mean, and, and getting people to the level where they need to be at. And these people that was on the team with him, 
playing basketball and now they're taking over business. And that's what I love about it. So yeah, I'm definitely open for that. Master P right here with Stephen A on No Mercy Podcast, coming at you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Just to let my audience know how serious you are about you, about how you practice what you preach. Obviously, I was, I was already discussed, a rapper, songwriter, record ex- executive, entrepreneur, actor, record producer, founder of the independent label No No Limit Records, founder and CEO of P. Miller Enterprises and Black Better Black Television, which was short-lived, but it existed. Got nine kids, including entertainers, uh, Romeo, let's not forget him as well. And it's a, I want to make sure I pronounce it, Symphonique? Is that correct? Yeah. Is that the correct pronunciation? Yeah. I wanted yeah. to make sure I had that with 15 albums, three which went platinum. You back up what you say. There's no question about it. I'll ask you this, Master P, as we sit here reflecting on all the things that you envision, all the things that you've brought to fruition. I wonder how you're feeling about society as a whole, particularly in the aftermath of all the social justice issues and the riots and everything else that took place and how America and the world purportedly says we're listening more now. We're learning. We're embracing black culture more than we ever have before. And we want to open the doors of opportunity in whatever stratosphere, in whatever genre it is. Do you feel that that has been taking place over the last couple of years or so? Or is it just well, as I, bad as it always been? Well, you know what? I mean, it's always room to grow. But I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like they are taking us serious. I mean, Stephen A., look where you at now. I mean, look what ESPN did for you. They opening doors. We've never seen that before, to see a black man being able to say what he need to say, keeping it professional, but also being able to enjoy what he's doing. So those those doors are opening up for us. We just have to take advantage of the opportunity. I feel like we marched in the middle of the street, but what did we want out of it? So you got to start looking at it like we have to have a plan of action. And so we have to be able to not only be vocal, but what I mean by having that plan of action it also had to say, what what do we want out of this when it's all over? Now that the world is looking at us, I mean, we we are we are leaders of of uh, selling things. Me and Snoop talked about this the other day. We 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 have a a, a trillion dollar spending habit. <laughs> I wouldn't even say budget. I would say habit because we exactly. spend trillions of dollars. Me, me and Snoop talk about that. I mean, we are some of the top uh, candidates for marketing products all across the world. I mean, you look at look what Snoop did with Corona. I mean, took that brand to a whole nother level and coming from hip hop and being a black man. And so my thing is, what I'm saying is, where's the economic empowerment? Where, where are the dollars being put back into our community? Where are the people that look like us that are running the government and running the country to be able to say, how do we make actually make this change? Because, you know, we, we want change, but we got to have the right people in the right place. Think about it. All the stuff that you're able to do on ESPN without having a Stephen A. Smith inside the building to be able to stand up. I done seen a lot of stuff that you stood up for our people, my brother, and I want to applaud you for that. Thank you. Like, you didn't bite your tongue. You said, you know, some stuff that people like, well, I can't believe Stephen A. said it, but it needed to be said. So I appreciate that. But what I'm saying is we need more people in position to carry these plans out. Instead of just talking about just like what we just talked about, the NBA, you know, the NBA know that we need more black ownership in there. No question. Well, listen, let let, let me give you your props, because let me let me be very, very clear. You know, a lot of people have been an inspiration to me. and You're clearly one of those people. Like I said, you and I have talked for years. I've interviewed you on several occasions. We talk off the air. You're as real and as authentic as they get. And I'm the same with you. Listen, my boss is a brother. 
His name is yes. Dave Roberts at ESPN. Yes. You know, he oversees First Take and Get Up and Sports Center and the whole NBA brand. You know, I've got producers at First Take and Antoine Lewis and, and, and James Dunn. They are brothers. Okay. I mean, yes. you look at the potpourri of analysts and people that are pontificating and giving their opinions. There's a whole bunch of brothers and sisters on there. And I take pride in the fact that I'm, I'm partially, at the very least, partially responsible for all of that happening. And it's because people like you and Snoop and others in my ear always reminding yes. me of the importance yes. to be real but we also and I'm sure you've gone through this I know Snoop has gone through this because I've gone through this as well in being real and being authentic sometimes you got to weed out the brothers and sisters yes. that ain't about that yeah and you, know, because, you, cut, in other words, you got to you, cut you, the you, people off you, that the, the, don't because you're looking the out for the many you're yes. looking out for the many. What has yes. that been like for you? What kind of challenge has that presented to you? I'm talking about dealing with our own when at times, yes. you know, we know we're on the right well, path and we're thinking about the greater good. Well, the thing about this, right, uh, Stephen A., like when you look at it, you know, and I was talking to my brother the other day and, and just talking about just building uh, family and making sure that we don't get caught up into what everybody else see is like making sure our kids understand uh, the right path and, and and make the right choices, but it's also about making the right decisions, like you're saying, being around the right people. But we they put up roadblocks for us no matter what. Think about it. Mm -hmm. All the stuff that we done done, I done sold 100 million records. We done created so many big brands, but every time we got to go in these places and start over, we got to bite our tongue. We, 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 we got to be professional. and But at the same time, we don't get those opportunities. And uh, I just love it when I see people look like us at the forefront. You know, I talked to Coach Kenny Payne at Louisville the other day, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm looking at a, a brother that done paid so many dues, and now he's coaching uh, uh, one of the biggest teams, you know, in, in, in Kentucky. Absolutely. And he got to go up against, you know, all these other big strategies to where the University of Kentucky, but we talk about Louisville, this guy done won a championship and been in a place, but you still got to be put under the radar, under the microscope to where, okay, <laughs> How are you gonna win? All these different things. We come everything that we get comes with all these other alternatives to go with it. We would never nothing was handed to me or you. Think about mm -hmm. it. Like you you yeah. had to come there and make believers out of whatever. Like a lot of these other cultures, they come in. I look at the LSU coaches, all these different coaches come in, they say, Oh, we're gonna give you four or five years to build a program. Even look at Deion Sanders, what he's doing for our people. Yes. So think about this. I said this. Years ago, when my son first went to HBCU, I said, we have to change some things. We got to grow, but don't be afraid to talk about it, communicate and love. Now, Deion Sanders is saying the same thing. Like, man, we need better facilities. We need the things that 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 these other big major schools. And so what's going to happen if a guy like Deion Sanders say, I'm only making this amount of money. I know my value, I know my work. I should be in one of these big places. But then our culture is going to get mad if I leave and go off and say that I'm not teaching or whatever. But what about him preparing his future and his family and taking care of other kids and being able to grow in these environments with these other coaches go through without our culture pointing the finger or stereotyping him for mm -hmm. all the hard work that he's done done. And, and I know all these major schools got to warn him by now because what he well, has Well, Florida State should have hired him, Master P. He they, starred they there as an All-American, yes. wanted the job, and they yes. wouldn't hire him. How, how they look now that they passed up on primetime? Yeah, you know what? They always pass up on diamonds in the roughs. And I told my son this. He's at Louisville right now, Hurston Miller. It's like 
It's yeah. good being diamonds in the rough because once you shine, everything else changes. And that's what that's what I do love about our culture. They 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 look down on us until we get to that level. And then now they have to they have to bite their tongue not saying, you know what? I, I should have betted on this guy, should have gave this guy opportunity. And a lot of people are gonna miss out. And Florida State is gonna be one of them programs that's gonna miss out on prime time because I think that he should be at a national program doing what he's doing. Mm -hmm. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh -huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Let me, let me transition to, to, to the beginning for you. Um, in the early 90s, if I remember correctly, I think you. I once heard you tell a story about how you were offered a million dollars and you turned yes. it down. And your brother, your brother, yes. you yes. who you love, I mean, yes. don't throw no shade on it, but he thought yes. you should take that million dollars. And you didn't see it that way. Give us some insight as to you being offered a million dollars at a time when you were just beginning and you didn't have that. You could have used that million dollars, but you turned it down because you saw a bigger opportunity for yourself yeah. in terms uh, of you betting on you. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's so important to in invest and bet on yourself. You are your best investment. Uh, know your self-worth. And uh, I think a lot of times we'd be desperate because I only had $500 in my pocket at the time, but mm. I realized this guy's offering me a million dollars. What year was this, by the way? What year was that? That had to be in... 91, 92? Mm -hmm. Close to that time. Okay, okay. Close to that time. So you only had $500 in your pocket? I only had $500 in my pocket. And I could have been a millionaire. But and you I went back no. home. I went back home with that $500, which my brother was mad at me. And <laughs> I, I had to tell him, we on Southwest, Stephen, they about to fight. I said, bro, you mad at me, but if this guy going to offer me a million dollars, how much you think I'm worth? And I don't even know him. So that was the only thing combed us down. And I went I, I went back home, figured out that. That's why I said, uh, you got to have faith, but you got to put the work in. I went and started selling my CDs out the trunk of my car. And I turned that, that turn down of a million dollars into being one of the riches on Fortune uh, Forbes uh, yeah. under 40. And uh, I went from selling no records to selling over 100 million records and did it myself independently, mm -hmm. but not myself okay. with, with a team, because I want to I want to express that. Everybody keeps saying they self-made. I'm never self-made. The pad I'm on now, I'm God-made. So I feel like God has opened so many doors for me, but I put the work in to be mm -hmm. able to take advantage of that opportunity. That's, that's the same thing I tell my boys now. Take advantage of opportunity. Don't Hard work. Is what's gonna pay off when you put the work in. Nobody never gave us nothing, so I mean that's what life is about with me. You know, you've taken chances on yourself. You bet on yourself. Yeah. I remember one time you tried. You know, you were you were an agent. You were representing Ricky Williams. That didn't yeah. pan out too well in a lot of people's eyes. You went on Dancing with the Stars. I, that ain't pan out on, too Stevie well, Master That Ricky <laughs> Williams thing. Hold up, that go did pan out. Okay, you please. know these athletes. I done heard you talk about athletes and the things yeah. that they do. Yeah, Ricky Williams. Let's get this straight right now with you. Sure. Please. Ricky Williams told me if he wanted that deal, incentive deal, because he was going to make $12 million. This is a, this a black kid from the ghetto that don't have nothing. $12 million right up front is a lot of money. He told me, I told him not to take that deal. So you know what he told me? 
What? He said, bro, if you don't take the deal for me, I'm going to get somebody else to do it. And so that's what I want people to know. If you're an agent or something, you work for the athletes. And right. so my thing was, I told a guy who was his agent, I said, if that's the deal he wants, he's going to have to live with it because he's going to go get this done with anybody else. And, and that's what he said. So gotcha. my guy had to take the deal for him. And what he got the 12 million, what he said was going to invest and do all this stuff. I don't know if he done it, Stephen A. Yes, but right. I can't stop a guy that's a professional athlete. If if you're an agent or you the guy manager, all you're doing is working for that person. I want to get that straight. They made it seem like, like, oh, well, Master P them did this. And no, this guy has the right. That's just like a lawyer. I could tell my lawyer that this is the deal I'm going to take. I don't care what you say. At the mm -hmm. end of the day, I'm the boss and you're going to do the deal I want to do. That Ricky Williams, especially a, a black guy that's looked like us, that, that need money, I couldn't tell that guy that they got $12 million the Saints going to give you on an incentive deal, turn it down. And I told him, but I, I said, this is your church. And he's yeah. a grown man. He had a plan. I don't know if his plan works, Stephen. They, Neither do I. When, Neither do when, I. When, when but you it ain't on you. Him, it ain't on you. Think about it. <laughs> think about it, right? So right. I'm going to tell you another thing that happened sure. to me. Like, we got to keep educating our people in our culture, the ones mm -hmm. that want to learn. Mm -hmm. So I, I have a guy that lived around me that played basketball that think that I'm saying something about him negative. I'm saying, no, man, I'm not saying nothing about you negative. I'm saying that let's teach all our mistakes so the next generation don't have to make these mistakes. When mm -hmm. Kevin Garnett lost that money with his uh, financial advisor that, that stole the money from him. Kevin I Garnett. Said, Kevin Garnett. Okay. You remember that? It was yeah, like yeah, $70 million. Okay. Okay. Look it up. Kevin Garnett is my dude. I, it, mm -hmm. He is my dude. I, I love mm -hmm. everything about him. But I said, don't, don't lose that as a negative. Use this as a teaching moment. And teach the next generation so they'll understand financial literacy. They'll watch their money. They ain't, they ain't gonna let these guys take advantage. Cause I'm telling you, I played in the NBA, Stephen. We we might practice two or three hours a day. You got the rest of the day off. Like so, yeah. you can invest your time into creating your business, watching your business, writing your own checks. But and you know, right and surrounding yourself with the right people, with Master the right P. People. With the right people. With the right people. And sometimes but, it ain't your relatives. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's others. I done cut I done cut a bunch of relatives off. <laughs> you know what I I'm saying? You. I done cut a I bunch of them. I love them. But look, here, take this money and leave me alone. That's what I right. done told. So right. uh, I just Well, let me ask that, you this. Let yeah. me ask you this. What about your mistakes? What mistakes do you... What I'm I don't need them all. I yeah. mean, because we all made several. Yes. But what mistake really stands out in your mind that you wanted to to serve as a teachable moment for others yes. that you love so, and care about and Stephen want to make a, sure they avoided them. When I first got into the game, I made a lot of money. I brought gold ceilings, all kind of crazy stuff in these houses and then put in, I, I couldn't get the value back out of it. So I don't mm -hmm. mind showing my peers, showing uh, the next generation, don't make these mistakes. Don't go out buying all this stuff. You got, you got to learn... Uh, Taxes, you got to learn about spending money, giving money away. You got to learn about luxury. I done made so many mistakes, man. So I want my culture and my people, even my peers, to learn from my mistakes. Saying, like, none of us perfect, but you don't have to make the same mistakes I made if, if, if you're willing to learn from my mistakes. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm like an open book. 
to give that to my people, even my kids. I got kids that yeah. that don't want to learn from your mistakes. They want to just go do it their way. So, right. I mean, we all got family members, friends. I could tell right. somebody, they got the sad part about it, Stephen, they, some people got to learn on their own and got to yeah. fall down sometimes. But for me, as a man, where I'm at, I like to look at other people's situations and say, man, how can I make the best out of it? And then mm-hmm. how can I look at some of the stuff that, that that person did wrong? And I don't want to make those same mistakes. So I just think uh, even in credit, I want people to know at the least entertainers, credit is more important than money. Like stop thinking that you don't want that debt. You don't want because that's something I did when I first started. I made millions of dollars, but I didn't even want credit in the beginning of my career because I didn't want to owe nobody nothing. You just didn't want to owe anybody anything. I didn't want, and, and, and what that's you the learned, wrong way you've to learned, You learned it's all right to owe as long as your credit's straight. Yes, yes. And and that's what you. I want to teach our people in our culture. You know, learning uh, banking and economics is so important. If you're going to have a lot of money, you need to understand how this system works. You need to understand mm-hmm. how the banking system works. So a lot of athletes, like when you have money, it's like when you can match your money at the bank, you don't have to sit around and use your money. And so those are the type of things you have to take a little time. I tell anybody, take one hour out the week. I know you go mm-hmm. practice and you, you go do all these different things, whether right. you're an entertainer, but you took yeah. one hour out the week, then you yeah. won't make the same mistakes Perfect a example. lot of us have made. Perfect example. You buying a house. Yeah. Instead of taking your own money out of your bank account to purchase that house, you might borrow against the money you have in the bank account yes. at a low interest rate. Yes. And you pay back that on a yes. monthly basis instead of depleting your own funds and not having that liquid available to yes. you. Am I, am, I, might, am I preaching some signs right now? you might go create a business to buy something instead of buying a car. That's Think right. about it. You there might you go. go create a business, then buy that car. And I also I want to teach... Uh, this our culture is this: if you got a business, then go buy your car that's six thousand pounds. That's what mm. you need to do. Wow. Uh, Why six thousand pounds? Why six thousand pounds? Because you can write it off. Wow, you can write it off. Plain all. and simple. Hey, listen, <laughs> like I told you before, I mean, I'm doing this podcast here. You're on this podcast with me right now. Yeah, it's mine. I, even though I work for ESPN during the day, this is mine. I own it. I operate it. I'm in 100 yes, percent control content of it. The whole bit. Obviously, the masterpiece of the world have served as an incredible inspiration. But I want you to sit back and take a moment to listen to what I'm about to air for you. I want you to hear from one of your brothers, Snoop Dogg, and what yes. he had to say about you because he was a recent guest on this podcast. Listen to this for a couple of minutes. This is Snoop Dogg talking about you, Master P. I can speak to a brother that has been that for me, Master P. Mm. Master P saved me from death row, gave me a three-album deal, paid Suge Knight to get me out of that contract, gave me brand new money. When my three-album deal was over with, he let me go, didn't want none of my label, didn't want none of my money, didn't ever come back and ask for nothing. Mm. 20-some years later, me and Master P, we getting together, hanging out, chilling. He doing things. Got a food line, don't y'all? Now watch this. He hits me one morning. Hey, man, I'm putting together something for you and your family, man. What you doing, P? I'll be over there tomorrow. He pulls up, Snoop Loops. Got my mama face on the box where ancient mama used to be. <laughs> Brought his food, breakfast group, grits, oatmeal, pancake mix, syrup for my family. With my mama face on it. Mm. Man, that that made that yes. touched yes. my heart, man. Mm. That you care enough about me 
to create a generational business for me and my family that's going to make money when I'm gone. When my kids is gone. I'm glad you brought that up because Master P, people, at, at times, people have been critical of him, particularly like when he tried to be an agent and he was representing Ricky Williams years ago in the NFL and all of this other stuff. I said, do you realize what this brother's trying to do? You realize where his heart's like? I said, He doing I said, what LeBron said, doing now. Yeah, there we go. They just didn't respect him because he's from the South. Right. They thought he was country. Mm. All this shit LeBron doing now is what Cuz was doing. Mm. Do you know that DeMar DeRozan and all them was up under Master P? I did not know that. When they went to SC with Lil Romeo, Master P was the, the guy that was looking out for them and right. setting them up and giving them the look that they needed in professionalism. Mm. Professionalism. Yeah. That's what he teaches. He teaches professionalism and business. Mm. Like, I have no business if I just go to the school of death row from 1991 to 1996. Zero business sense. When I joined No Limit Records in 1997 to 2000, look at my career. Look at Snoop Dogg's career from 2000 to right now. Look at all of the branding, the business, the moves, the big shit that I do. It's because I was taught by Master P, the school of No Limit. I went to No Limit University for three years. You heard that, Master P? Well, I just want to tell you, man, Snoop is, he's my best student ever because he care about the community, the culture. Uh, he's not afraid to celebrate others. Uh, he's not afraid to to help the community out. I mean, what I love about Snoop Moore, what he done in in California with the football league, man, that's my brother. So my thing is to give him that game. Kings raising kings, kings around kings, iron sharpened iron. Like that's my dude. When I, I looked at Snoop, I said, man, we make we making all this money by using our name and likeness, just like what. What, what the college was fighting over. Think about it. Snoop them built so many big brands. And I love this man that much. So I say, man, look. And I loved his mama. And I say, you know what? They took Auntie Mama off the shelf. We about to put mm -hmm. Mama Snoop and make her live forever. Mm -hmm. And then we about to create our own cereal brand. I told Snoop, I said, the difference is we got to build family brands. And that's what I learned how to do. I got it in the product business. I got in the product business. I get. I got into these factories. Um, I know how to make the best product. So while everybody else, I took 15 years of my life, Stephen A, hanging out in factories. Like just mm. how somebody want to hang on the cone do something negative. I said, no, I'm going to hang in these factories. I'm about to go build these relationships. I could make anything that I need when you talk about creating food. And I said, the thing about why I say product, I always telling them and what I wanted to show Snoop. Snoop is a real boss because he overcame the adversities yes, and now he, he have his own. And he's not afraid to say who opened the doors, where he came from. That's the same thing with me. Man, I'm appreciative to the people that opened the doors for me. And so what me and Snoop is building now is incredible because he have a family brand. We talk about Broder's food. It's not just about the cereals, the pancake, the syrup. We have Broder's food. That's his family name. He's going to be able to pass that down from generation to generation. I'm going to be able to do the same thing with all this stuff that I have. And and we they're not used to us thinking like that. They're not used to us loving on each other like that. They're not used to us saying, you know what? I don't only, I don't only want to be at the top by myself, Stephen A. That's a lonely life. I want the people that I love, the people that I should be around with me. And I want to pass that down from generation to generation. It, and it's about the ideas it's about spending time with each other. It's about showing each other, not just talking. Because like you say, we cut people off because a lot of people talk. I tell you all the time, don't tell me you love me. Show me. 
That's right. I'm done with all that. You know what That's I'm right. saying? That's Show right. Me. We don't need to talk. No, nah, we me. don't need to talk. Let me ask you this last question about the cereal, though. Um, why Brodus instead of Snoop? Well, so think about this. I'm going to show you this. I got okay. the cereal right here so you can see. Okay. It. All right. So think about it. Snoop, Snoop Loops. Loops. Snoop Loops. L-O-O-P-Z. Yeah. Got and you. so Brodus Food is what, like, if you went to see the Kellogg's, think about it. Kellogg's, Kellogg's got uh, all kind of cereal, right? Right. But the family yeah. brand, that's that's what I want people to see. This is about Brodus Food. This is not even cool. about the cereal box. Gotcha. So that's the difference. Educating our people. Same thing I told my kid, Stephen A. I just want you to know, January 27th. Oh, no, no, no. I already know. Bronny versus your son yes. in LA. Mercy. And they yes. talk about it, it, it against Percy, right? Yep, Mercy. Mercy, I'm sorry. Against Mercy. And they're talking about moving that game to the, the, the Paulie Pavilion, right? Yes. LeBron yes. James' son versus your son. Yes. And, and this is all family. But and they both, and, and by the way, they both A students. Let's not forget. Yes, that. they both, they both A, a students. students. And, and they they the future. And what I love about this, that, you know, they friends. So this Ooh. is going to be, it's going to be a friendly battle and it's going to be fun. But, you know, it, you'll get to see Mercy grow. You know, your show, no mercy. I'm going to try to get there for that one. That's his name. Lord have mercy. When you see him, that's <laughs> what you're going to say. Lord have mercy. <laughs> we we don't show it. no mercy. We I show no it. mercy. Hey, so, listen, man. Listen, I want to give you the last word and, 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 and the end this interview. I want to know what you want people to walk away from this conversation you just had with me thinking about most. I mean, you've got your sons. You, one of your sons went to an HBCU. Where's yep. he at now, by the way? Where's he at He's now? at University of Louisville. He's at Louisville now, right? You got, you, yeah. you obviously, you got Mercy. He's coming out of high school. He's getting ready to go up against Bronny James. You got that going on. You got all your business ventures. We spoke about Snoop. What do you want people walking away from this conversation you just had with me holding on to? I, I want people to walk away knowing that uh, love overpower hate. Uh, that we stronger together, you know, just looking at me and you and the conversation we having and, and, and family over everything. Cause once you break up the family, you destroy everything, Stephen A. So this, I want people to walk away knowing that this is about family and mm -hmm. that no matter where we are, we're going to keep reaching out to our brothers and uh, it, it's going to be no limit to okay. what we could do and, and be able to share knowledge and information. Cause I, I want, I want us to walk away also knowing that, it's also about creating uh, future leaders in our community because that's mm -hmm. what it's about. Like, if we could give that game and pass it down, we're going to be all right. Mm -hmm. Let me add this one nugget to it to end it with your approval. Family ain't just your blood. Yes. It's an extended family, people yes. that you love. I've got my assistant, Sumatra. She's like a little sister to me. Yes. I got my bodyguard, my name, my man, Judy. Yeah. He's like a brother to me. I got well, my manager, people, Let me tell you something, Steve. I want to tell you this. Yeah. Family make you blood. Right? Yeah, that's right. But, but loyalty is something else, man. When you got people that are loyal to you and care about you, like I told you, there's no yeah. more saying you love somebody. Show people. And that's, right. that's, that's, that's what we want to end this and on. And by Show the way, the loyalty, loyalty, Master P, loyalty ain't telling them what they want to hear. Yes. Loyalty don't mean that you yes. can't be critical. It yes. means that you're telling them what they and need ain't no to yes hear man. and you're and being loyalty, critical loyalty with love. Loyalty is, is holding each other accountable for the do the right thing when nobody's looking. And that's integrity. 
Like yeah, I right. want to leave this with holding each other accountable and having integrity and not being afraid to do the right thing because it's right. easy to do the wrong thing. That's right. My man, appreciate yes, you. Sir. Love you, man. Always good talking to you. You know I'm always here for you. Always. You I, know that. I, man, we need you to come to that game January Nigga, I'm doing everything I can. Listen, if I don't have an NBA countdown, I'll be there. Okay. Uh, I'll beat it. All right. You know how they got you. You watching your NBA game. You know how they had me stuck on TV sometimes in our New York studio. You know how they Stephen A. Smith now, bro. You could get a break. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do everything I can to be there. I would love to be there for that one, bro. I appreciate it. Salute, my brother. No doubt. Salute. Take care. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline Until I flatline, I push it to the red line Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Thanks again to the great Percy Robert Miller, a.k.a. Master P uh, For that life lesson, as far as I'm concerned That he gave uh, to the listeners of No Mercy Right here with Stephen A. Smith Coming at you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday You know, he said a couple of things That really, really should resonate with us all He talked about the importance of having faith, believing in yourself, essentially acknowledging that there's going to be times where you get knocked down. When you fall into an abyss, don't stay there. He talked about the importance of having the right support base around you, because guess what? Everybody that's with you ain't for you. They might smile in your face. They might tell you they're there to support you. But you find out who those who those folks really, really are. When hard times come your way and then I stand by your side, especially after they've benefited off of you exponentially. He talked about all of that. He talked about the importance of product. Why did that matter, ladies and gentlemen? Why does product rule? It's the same reason why content rules in the world of entertainment, whether it be broadcasting. As I do, television, radio, podcasting. Television, scripted and unscripted formats, film, documentaries, et cetera, et cetera. Content is king. Content is a form of product. Why is product so important? Because, ladies and gentlemen, you can't have your hand out for what you want from other people without having something to offer them. You have to have something to offer. The biggest crime, or at least one of the many big crimes, that have taken place in our society is how many people have been left devoid of a skill. They don't even know what this skill is because nobody's honed in on it. Nobody's taught them what that is. Nobody's told them what value comes associated with it and how to monetize what they bring to the table. I've said this to you and you'll hear me say this to you on many, many occasions doing this podcast. Many occasions during this podcast. My life changed in corporate America for the better. In 2009, when I got let go by ESPN and I locked in on trying to define what my worth was and found out it wasn't much at all because I misconstrued screams and billboards and people knowing my name for actual value without knowing what that value was. See, the untold story in all of me, all of that in terms of me being let go is that when I was let go 
And I was banished from television for not one, but two years. ESPN pretty much knew that was going to happen to me. I didn't know that. I thought somebody would gobble me up. It could be CBS. It could be NBC. It could be Fox. It could be TNT. It could be any, Hell, at the very least, BET or TV1. Nobody called. Nobody wanted my ass. And I used those words like the ASS to emphasize and accentuate and punctuate what I was going through. It's not to be crass. It's not to be disrespectful. It's not to curse because I can. I'm just giving you the real, authentic, true me and what I was feeling. Back then, I had an executive. Um, I didn't have an executive producer. The guy I had now was the one who introduced me to Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey brought me on his show. And Steve Harvey reminded the world of what I was and what I should be and what I could be. Steve Harvey knew my value more than I did. And that was because Rashawn McDonald knew my value more than I did. If I'm being real. See, I don't forget. That's one thing about me. Somebody get on my nerves, they ain't doing the job, they ain't being competent, I'll fire anybody. That is absolutely true. But that don't mean I won't, my, I won't watch you back if your heart's in the right place and you always try to do right by me. Because that's what God-fearing, decent human beings do. But when I was gone and I was unemployed, it was because I didn't know my value. And guess what? The second I learned and studied what my value truly was and could be, my life was altered. And you know how that happened, ladies and gentlemen? Because one day I just woke up and I said my attitude was all wrong, especially because of mama who got on me and talked to me about my attitude and how it needed to be modified and altered if I was going to be successful in this real world. God rest her wonderful angelic soul. And you know what she said to me? She said, it ain't supposed to be just about you. And I never forgot that. And from that day forward, in combination of all those loved ones I've, I've, I've mentioned, and they are indeed loved ones. I love you, Rashawn. I love you, Steve Harvey. Mama, in the heavens above, you know, you know what you mean to me. I woke up and I started focusing on what I had to offer. And that's when I developed the phrase, I wake up with two responsibilities every morning. How do I make my bosses more money? And how do I get some of it? Now, why would I come up with that attitude? Because by focusing on what I could give them, made them want to listen to me. By them wanting to listen to me, I wanted to be able to have something to offer even more. So I wasn't wasting their time. By not wasting their time, they wanted to listen to me more. By wanting to listen to me more, more doors opened. As more doors opened, more opportunity presented itself. And as more opportunity presented itself, I was able to say, okay, where's my share? And by getting my share once, then twice, then five times, then 10 times, it enabled me to position myself to be my own boss.
which is exactly what I am with this podcast. Master P, it might have took him years, but ultimately that great opportunity, that grand opportunity presented himself. Jay-Z, hip-hop mogul, phenomenal, terrific, incomparable. What did, he have, what did he have to go through before he got here? Kevin Hart, you think he just showed up on stage one day and became Kevin Hart? Snoop Dogg, what did he tell you when he came on the podcast? September 30th, what did he tell you? He said, yo, I would emulate other cats. Attach Snoop to everything that I loved. He knew and learned how to market himself on the fly. It all became relevant. And he is what he is today. Same with LL. Same with Dana White. UFC used to be banned. Former Senator John McCain, God rest his soul, a war hero. This man considered the sport barbaric and tried to have it banned in the United States. Considered it barbaric. They couldn't get on tape delay, damn it. Now the UFC is worth over $9 billion. That's where Dana White comes from. Just think about it. Pay attention to it. Understand what it all means. And elevate your level of appreciation because these success stories do have a common denominator. It all involves people believing in themselves. Shoving aside the haters. And letting you and I know they will not be denied by somebody else's narrative or somebody else's belief or lack thereof. They're going to define that for themselves. There's a whole bunch of us that can learn from Master P's dedication and determination. This is a man born in the projects, one of the poorest states in America. Yet he refused to accept another person's estimation of him. He bet on himself and in doing so, he's an ultimate success story. And guess what the most beautiful part about Master P is, ladies and gentlemen? You heard him for over 30 minutes on this podcast. Did he seem like a man that even attempted to keep all of that information to himself about what it takes to be great, what it takes to explore the very crevices of you and your soul and your spirit and what you can ultimately achieve? He didn't keep it from you. He shared it with you because his heart's in the right place. He wants you to succeed too. He wants all of us to succeed. He's teaching it to his children who's at universities like Louisville. He's teaching a whole bunch of stuff. Can't thank him enough. I once heard somebody say, if you want to improve your self-worth, stop giving other people the calculator. That's a pretty damn good line. I can't deny it. In fact, I've grown and mature. I just turned 55 last week. And I live by it now. It means that much to me. I'm my own damn calculator. I will define my worth. That doesn't mean that I'm oblivious to the fact that a company that I might choose to work with or work for doesn't get to have their own definition of what my worth is. What it does mean, however, is that I have the choice of accepting it or rejecting it. And when you reach that point, ladies and gentlemen, it may not be complete, 
but it's an incredible source of freedom that elevates the spirit and motivates you in ways you never dreamed. Remember I said that. Sleep on that. And if you can't sleep, tune in to No Mercy again and listen to it all over. Remember, this is your boy, Stephen A. I know you see me on sports all the time on ESPN. But as I end every show by saying, I'll say it again. You don't have to know sports to know mercy. Peace and love, everybody. Until next time. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts. Guess who's got a memoir coming out, ladies and gentlemen? Yours truly, Stephen A. Smith. It's entitled Straight Shooter, and it's available right now for pre-order. I have signed these books, just so you know. So you can visit straightshooterbook.com to order your autographed copy today. In the book, I talk about my life before ESPN, growing up in Hollis, Queens, New York, how sports proved to be my salvation. I talk about some of the mistakes I've made in my life and my impact on the world of sports. The book is called Straight Shooter, and it's written to help motivate you to overcome setbacks that maybe prevent you from reaching your dreams. So go right now and order your autographed copy of my memoir, straightshooterbook.com. Don't wait. It's entitled Straight Shooter. Check it out. Don't miss it.